Welcome to the Equipped Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of business and entrepreneurship. Each episode, we will bring you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs and business owners who are making waves in the marketplace. From sales strategies to marketing innovations, leadership insights, and effective lead generation, this is your go-to source for staying ahead in the business game. Now let's get equipped for success and get to today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Equipped Podcast. And again, we really enjoy interviewing business leaders, what they're doing in their field, entrepreneurs, sales, marketing, and lead generation. And I have a very special guest with us today. And we have Jacob Suko. And he has been in the email marketing game for quite some time. He has email empire. He's been in the business. Um, he, you can go to his website. He says he's seen some epic fails and upwards to $1 million in revenue growth in less than a year. He helps online businesses get more customers, more clients, and more authority from their emails. And he is a perfect fit for the Equipped Podcast. We're going to hear his story. We're going to hear how he's doing everything in the marketplace right now, and it's going to add some value. So with that, Jacob, welcome to the show. Awesome, Lane. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. me too, man. Me too. I know that uh, email is a massive business trend right now. It is something that is helping a lot of businesses. And so with that, let the listeners of the podcast know a little bit about you, your story, how you got into this. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my background's all over the place. Like, seems to be a hell of a lot more common than you might think uh, with all kinds of folks inside of the business space. And so um, I actually didn't get my start doing anything email related. About uh, eight or nine years ago, I thought I wanted to be a chiropractor. Um, so going to school, get this great internship, awesome place out on the West Coast, find a local doc that I want to work with. I'm like, hey, I can model this, own a couple of businesses, do my thing, use my degree, all the good things that a nice 20 year old supposed to do. And uh, work with the guy for eight months, show up one day and I'm working through paperwork and client forms. I'm like, you know what? Damn, I hate this. There's no chance I'm going to go pay three, four hundred grand and go to school for another four or five years just to come out and do all of this. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do when I graduate in a couple of months, but not this. And uh, I had a buddy that I'd known for a little while from school at the time reach out and he was like, hey, you're not going to school anymore, right? And I was like, no, dude, we just talked about this like 24 hours ago. What the hell do you want? And he was like, listen, I've been working on this project. And uh, I think I think I can use your help. And he's a very logistical, very analytical human being. Uh, got an idea up off the ground, was doing great with it. And brought it up a couple of times, but he's like, listen, we're starting to pick up steam and I need to be more aggressive on the sales side of the house. I need to get better at marketing this thing. And I can barely talk to people. Like you're good with people, you love talking, you're good at sales. Like, can you just come over here and give it a shot? I didn't have anything else to say yes to. So it's like, hell yeah, I guess we'll do it. And uh, that was an edible cookie dough company. Uh, it was a really hot food trend back in like 2015. It was going viral. Little food kiosks and pop-up um, dessert shops, quick service, all good fun stuff. We're all starting to sell it as a new dessert product. And so our take was creating all, pre uh, all natural, ultra premium version of it, bring it into retail, and then sell it off of the back of that into wholesale uh, and e-commerce essentially, right? And it was a ton of fun. We went from doing like 25K in farmer's markets on his mom's basement 
to a couple million a year. Guys are national distribution, wholesale, liquid e-commerce, and a lot of that on the back end of email marketing and sales, uh, which is a ton of fun. Until about 2018, you know, when my daughter was born, and most of our customers at that point are either East Coast, West Coast, and a B2B side. Um, and so we went on to go do there. It was just too much travel with the little one, right? And so by that point, I'm like, okay, I'm gone three, four times a month. And this is just too much. I got to figure something else out. So I walked away amicably and then took on a gig working with an HR software company. Uh, they were looking for somebody to essentially to be a guinea pig, but they had a much fancier way of saying it. They'd been selling to SMB very, very successfully for years. They've got this great, sexy product around recruiting and hiring in the tech space. Um, decide they want to go tackle enterprise. And they're like, hey, we need somebody to come in, take the offer to market, test out the messaging. Uh, and if you don't fail, essentially, we'll help build out a team behind you. Um, and fingers crossed, luckily, again, we, we hit it off. It goes pretty well. We build out a team of 10 folks. Um, we do a couple million in pipeline, do some deals with like Disney, the MLB, Boeing, really great stuff on this much higher end of the market, right? Where there's complicated sales cycles, marketing and sales, trying to find ways to just do this new thing at the time called account-based marketing. Um, and so a lot of the work there was merging. How the hell do we hold a two-year-long deal in pipeline and not blow it up in the process? Because we're selling to folks that have a one-year deal cycle, six months, nine months, we got to get four or five people on board and it can still fall apart all the way to the last moment. Um, so we had a very sophisticated top of funnel strategy that would have people interjecting all the way throughout. And it was a ton of fun to build out, very proprietary, uh, and learned an ungodly amount in that time frame. Still not in email marketing entirely just yet. So what happens is COVID hits, uh, company goes through layoffs. They clear out everyone else on my team, except for me and one of my co-managers. And they're like, you guys get to stay. It's like, gosh, screw you guys. And we just spent nine months, a year building out that team. I uh, love those people. And it's like, ah, it's probably time for me to go. I was doing some consulting on the side um, with other companies around what it looked like to install these same systems, to help them with their biz dev teams, all the good fun jazz. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to be here in six months. So I gave them a six months resignation, which is strange, but I was like, I'm going to be gone in November. Good luck. Uh, and they were cool with it. Didn't fire me on the spot. I don't know why the hell they didn't do that. Um, so I just built up my consulting business on the side of that while I was going off and then ramped up and in November went full-time on my own, uh, primarily running email copywriting um, for other folks, freelancing and doing some strategy and consulting. And then did that for about a year, had some success, do a hundred grand, which was a lot more than what I was making on non-commission uh, inside that first nine, 10 months. And then just start to gradually take over more and more control for the people that I worked with um, to the point where we're writing the full list for them. Uh, we're working on some stuff on the ad side of the house for light list building. Uh, we're working on content marketing strategy, building out sales funnels, the whole nine. Uh, and so where we've landed now, just where email empire has been for a little over three years now, which is wild to think about. Um, so we're helping primarily online experts, so coaches, uh, consultants, service providers, folks who sell info, um, take their existing email list and add at least another six figures in profit to that as a revenue stream inside of the first nine to 12 months that we work together. Um, and then create a bunch of new fun offers on the back end, keep their audience engaged, grow the list, and make good things happen. Wow, that's amazing. All, all this started from an edible cookie comp, cookie dough company. A hundred percent, man. I talk to that guy at least once to twice a week and it probably comes up at least three times a month where I'm like, dude, this is so wild. I'm so grateful for you. But like this, I don't land anywhere if I don't come out of school not having a regular job. I'm like, 
I had a regular job for about nine months uh, working for sales team. It was amazing. I loved every second of it. Um, but that first opportunity ruined me. Like, I, I, I can't go to anything else as the end game. It's like, this is where I got to play, you know? And I've accepted that. I'm kind of unemployable anyhow. And so it's a good fit. And luckily, everything's worked out well enough. And it's, it's afforded us some really cool opportunities. And I'm really excited as we triple down inside of the next year on really going hard on growing the agency on the client side, um, growing up the team and doing a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Well, so, okay, in, the, in that lineage of your background of where you are now and where you where your focus is, do you feel like that you could go back all the way to the edible cookie, comp- cookie dough company and realize now, okay, that's why I did what I did because that's what I do now. I think that's so fascinating when you talk to entrepreneurs that where you're like, well, we have no idea what we're doing. I have no idea that this is how I'm going to be marketing when I have a business 10 years from the round, but can you go back yeah. and look at that and see how that's all aligned? Yeah. So the best analogy that I've got for it is, do you ever watch The Prices Right? All the time. Well, not all the time. They've got that. <laughs> they've got that giant plinko board. Yep. They drop a disc down, and it just kind of bounces around randomly, all heading towards the bottom. And every once in a while, you kind of hit lottery, and it's a big number, and it's exactly what you're looking for. And then the other nine times, you kind of land on shit, and you get another roll at playing some other portion of the game, right? That's kind of how I feel about where I am, quite honestly, um, because you know, email has been a pivotal part of everything that we did um, with the company. Cold email is how we got most of our customers. We used to go to these; uh, it was hilarious. We used to go to these like trade shows, industry wise, in the Midwest, middle of nowhere. So there'd be all these mom and pop pizza shops, burger joints, ice cream spots from like Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and we'd collect like a good couple hundred email addresses for people who were interested in like learning how they could sell the product there. And I was reading a lot of old school director's response stuff at the time. And so I wrote up this follow-up sequence that was like 14 days long. That was just aggressive as all hell. And if you could think about selling cookie dough in a demeaning way, I don't know how you could, but that's what I was doing. Um, and all of a sudden we had a couple orders start coming in. It's like, whoa, this stuff works. And so it was a part of what we did that was kind of key to the growth strategy but i never thought of that as what made anything successful right and like i think especially in the first company like that it was really sort of the biggest challenges is understanding what you're doing um right and why what's working is working right and like i honestly could say i wouldn't have had a damn clue uh that that's what the consistent thread would be mm-hmm. right for me it was just easier after i got through we built out the full team we're doing enterprise deals and we're doing amazing things off the back end of the copy and systems and campaigns that I'm building out with the team that I'm working with and realizing that other companies had a really strong need for that too. That there's entire businesses just built around specifically helping companies stand up email. Um, it, it wasn't until I saw more of that in terms of the opportunity that it was like, oh, listen, this is probably an angle that I take. Uh, and I tried to shy away from it quite honestly for a hot minute, um, literally up until Within the past year, I, I was really hesitant on building out a team and doubling down on the agency. I was really stuck on this idea of just like a lifestyle business, maintain three, four clients, have some nice revenue share on the back end, sell some coaching and some courses and life is gravy. Um, yeah, and every time I try and do that, I get smacked in the face with either good opportunities or just any kind of other challenge that comes up from like not has to do with the overarching parts of running a business. I love finding people. I love working with great people. I love building a team. 
uh, I think I just got a little burnt out on it from the last experience. And, and for whatever reason, that stuck with me long enough to keep me from going out and diving in full force and to go on the agency and build that team. Uh, and that's no holds barred now. Um, it's a lot of fun. We just made another offer to somebody who's going to come out on the fulfillment side of the house and growing left and right. It's going to be a good time. We'll have an interesting conversation a year from now where it ends up. Yeah. It's so all I love like, having conversations with entrepreneurs and, you know, not wanting to, let's say you, how do you, how you put it? Like, you don't want to walk into it. Maybe you're like, I don't keep saying, I don't want to do this. I just want to keep my three or four clients. And, and it's kind of like with, with the podcasting for us in the, in the business and the content, like, you know, I was doing, personally, I was doing this stuff for free for years. Like I was doing all this stuff for free for years and finally realized that, wow, like people really see value in stuff like podcasting and content creation and, um, all the stuff that I learned for free, now I can help people with. I can pass along and build a team and say, hey, this is the process. This is how it should be done. This is what customers want to do. Just like with cold email outreach or LinkedIn and other stuff that we help people with. And so it's so interesting when you you kind of take a step back as an entrepreneur and be like, oh, yeah, that's probably why I learned that to help me with building a team or be building a business later on yeah, hundred percent. So, like where we're at right now, um, all of that stacks up from probably the two to three biggest pivotal things, right? And so, like for me, nothing is possible at the second company without having the right team, um, and nothing's possible in the first company without having control of a channel to be able to market it, right? And so, it's like merging the two of those tends to land me where we are now. And then behind all of that, just a very heavy direct response background side. So geek out on all that stuff you can't see it on this wall but there's my favorite decorations throughout the entire house is they're all just old school ads it's, it's my life i live it yeah okay so when you got into the the market that you're now into you know walk some of the listeners through on a day-to-day basis like um why you know email marketing that what you do or like just maybe what, what where your heart and where your passion is of helping the clients succeed yeah 100 percent. right so especially when it comes to Folks that we work with, um, they tend to be doing anywhere from like their first 500K to just shy of their first 5 million. Um, That's probably the biggest lump of folks that we end up working with. We start to grow past there. They've got bigger teams. It makes sense for them to take it in-house, all that good stuff. Um, But with companies inside of those size, every year that you continue to go on in business, it's actually not that you're more likely to make it to the next. It's that you're more likely to fail and setting up part of the first five to 10, right? And so that being the case... This is something I've realized heavy in the past year. It's what we're doing is we come in and give them a way to generate more revenue in a channel that's more profitable than just about anywhere else that they go ahead and use. In the same time, we're also creating lifelong customers, right? And so like when you look at somebody's email list, how do they acquire them? So they either do it through lead gen, uh, through appointments booked, do it for customers that they've already had who've purchased a service of some sort, wherever else it may be. And 99% of the time, they land there and they really only got one route to either buy, buy again, or just kind of get random content over a period of a year or two before they unsub and drop off. And there's no focus on how do we maximize this list of people who've shown that they're the ones who are more likely to be our top purchasers, top earners, top whatever it is and, and how the business is set up. And so it's like, these are your biggest followers. We're all out there trying to figure out how do I get more cold traffic into my business? It's how do I grow my organic audience? Like, listen, we need to do all that by and far, but once we've done all the hard work to capture them, it's like, we need to make sure that they've got the best experience as humanly possible and that their journey is optimized for the maximum lifetime value over time, right? And so that's one of the reasons why 
we're an email marketing agency. Um, I just made a post today. Half of my past two weeks has been uh, producing a couple of funnels for uh, two video sales letters. We just got done running a webinar um, with about 2,400 folks signed up. Um, we're working on a brand new campaign in terms of a new product launch. Um, I'm working on restructuring a couple offers with some clients. And like, these are all things that technically fall outside of the email. But the whole premise is, how do we focus so much on how to make the most off of your backend and retention for the folks who've already shown that they'll buy just about everything that you can put out because they trust you, they like the brand, they love their experience. The best thing you can do with a happy customer is give them an opportunity to buy again, do it every single time. Amen. Goodness gracious, that is so true. Especially, I love how you compared that to email marketing or email cold email because it's just it's just not what you do it's just not what we do it's making the experience it's making the flows so much easier and like you said too the the easiest way to grow revenue is to work with your existing business like you know Pareto principle spend 80 percent of my time on 20 percent of the people that bring in the revenue into our business and that's always sure. said with like in the way that we run businesses so man that is so good and um it's so powerful so talk about a little bit like with email marketing and other ways that you have seen social media. I know there's, you know, there's Facebook, there's um, Instagram, there's LinkedIn. Um, to talk through why email versus why the social media channels and like how would you talk a client through that? Yeah, 100%. So this is the funny part, right, is it's not versus by any means. It's like everyone likes to make this question of like, and I understand why by far because you only have so much time I have so many resources that we can dedicate, right? It's not, do I focus on growth on social? Do I focus on having a better funnel for the folks who go from following me? Excuse me, to getting them on my email list. Do I focus more on paid ads? It's like, no, no, listen, it's all of the above. But the whole purpose of email is whether you're focused on growing organic, you're focused on growing through direct mail, focused on growing through referral, you're focused on growing through paid ads or some new channel, or any kind of, kind of cross-promotion strategy, your email list is the way to make all of those as effective as humanly possible, right? And so this is kind of the glue that connects just about all of it together and makes an ecosystem because what typically tends to happen, I'm going to try and do this in a small square box, is like you've got organic social up here, you've got paid advertising up here, you've got referrals and some other sort of organic growth that are chilling over here. And let's say you've got, it's an in-person business, you've got in-person folks come together down here. They all come in from those different sources. What we're trying to do is connect them to a purchase that's somewhere right in the middle. I got to try and draw five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines, depending on where it is that they came from, and have this very disjointed process. When in reality, what happens if we just take those? My my diagram here is going to shit. Uh, what if it happens if we take these four points here and we just push them to one place, and that one place pushes them down towards anything and everything else that they might need to do, right? And it's on email because. Paid, it's expensive to get in front of people and take your message and get in front of the folks who are there. It costs money. Um, social, it takes a lot of time and you're fighting the algorithm, right? The, the thing with email is it's, this is the most consistent and reliable way that we can get whatever the message or offer or promotion it is that you have in front of the folks who want to see it most, right? It's, it's a 50% hit rate, even on a bad day. Let's call it 30%. Um, if you're posting on social and you're looking at me, you, you kill it if you go viral and you acquire a new eyes. So it just serves a different purpose, right? So those other channels are methods of acquiring attention. And the email list is the way of keeping it and directing it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. 
100%. And I think that's so good. It's kind of, it's kind of the sales and the marketing analogy. You know, you've got the sales and then you have the marketing and it's like, well, social media and creating that awareness, what can you drive to? Because in an instant, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk can take away social media just like that. And sure. if you don't have emails, if you don't have an email list, how are you going to continue to grow your business? How are you going to continue to reach those customers? Um, and so creating that social brand awareness and having people funnel into your email list. I love that analogy. Absolutely love it. Yeah, they need to know where to go next, right? It's like, like we love direction, you know, and, and, and the more options that we have, the more friction that there is in the process. It's just the higher the likelihood that we don't take any action whatsoever, right? And this is what happens time over time. And so having a way to consistently carry folks from follow through opt-in towards purchase is only going to take the typical spikes and dips that we might see in sales if the algorithm changes or if uh, CPM skyrocket for that given week because it's Black Friday and all the big advertisers are dumping millions and I go from paying $3 for per subscriber to 12 uh, That happens, right? It's shit that's out of control no matter what it is that you do. And so the easiest way to really kind of like flatline that and draw some consistency of bring up the shelf essentially is to have consistent systems inside of the email list that are there to make sales regardless of what happens on the top end. Yeah, no, that's so good. I totally agree with you. What are some um, what are some interesting things about email marketing or email outreach that you have found to be successful? What's inside of the email, your open rates, the subjects, like the nitty gritty? Yeah, sure. Like that. Yeah. So like the way that we like to talk about it with our customers and the folks that I teach is you can get lost in technique all damn day long. Um, but at the end of the day, like a great product with half-assed marketing is going to do a better job than a really shitty product with really great marketing because in the tail end, the experience is going to catch up. And the important part is like, that's what's going to kill it is a shitty experience. And so like what our goal is when we talk about email is, okay, cool. These people are following me. They're somehow magically finding their way to purchase from me, work with me from whatever it is that's over there. It's like, what if there was just a bridge and a path and we painted this thing yellow and showed you exactly where it is that you needed to go, right? That's the goal of what goes on here. And so we kind of do three things. Um, we go for capture and then following anything off the capture, excuse me, I got to find a better word for this one because it sounds so culty, um, but then we indoctrinate and then we educate and entertain and would point them towards wherever it is they want to go next, right? And so like, when we talk about email, the most important thing isn't necessarily to have the best open rates, the best subject lines. It's do I have in one consistent, proven way to carry folks from my channels where I don't own their email to one that I do? Do I have a welcome sequence that gives them an opportunity to do three things? So I want them to engage, right? I want them to learn, and then I want them to agree with me on something in terms of how we're going to solve this problem together. And then after that, do I have a content strategy? To where I can be in front of these people, and this is an important part, um, at least two to two times a week, three times a week, we go for, like we take out an agency client, we send daily, right? I got some folks who we send twice a day. Um, they're not all going to the, li the to everyone on the list, uh, but that frequency is the best way to guarantee any kind of results that you want to bring up on the back end. Right? So we need a strategy to be able to create enough content to send at least two to three emails a week. And then we have at least one core automation that does the selling for us on the back end. So the second that someone shows and clicks through on interest to a sales page, to a booking form, to anything that goes like that, we've got a quick three to four hit. It's nothing crazy. It's just simple. That pushes them back over to that purchase if they haven't made it. So that specifically we could sell on their time. 
right? And when it comes to selling an email, and I'll shut up after this one, um, but when it comes to selling an email, there's one thing that we all tend to do uh, when we make a sale and make it time-based, it's Black Friday, it's whatever. We try and sell when it's most beneficial for us or when we need it most. And it's so ass backwards. It's like, if you go to a car dealer and you're not looking to buy a car, there's no amount of help that that person can give you to actually turn that sale around. And if they do, it's going to be an awful experience, right? But if, and this is a good example, my transmission's about to die and I'm moving in two days and I'm really not trying to deal with this thing get stuck on the side of the road. I show up on a lot and I say, hey, listen, I'm walking out of here with a vehicle. Help me buy something that's going to make sense for me. Love that guy. The best experience I've ever had. It's like, why? Because the time was right for me, right? And so we've got an opportunity to specifically hard sell when that time is right for them, when they've given any kind of signal. Uh, email is the easiest way to be able to take advantage of that. Right? You can do it with all complicated retargeting funnels and all that fun jazz. I'm not smart enough for that. So we, <laughs> we do it this way. Yeah, I, know, I, love, I love that um, analogy because I actually I think about Black Friday. Let's just talk about Black Friday because that was the yeah. best reason. I have a friend of mine who is a... Uh, he, they're very big in the brand photography space and mm-hmm. talked about their courses that they created and they took Black Friday off this year because sure. they were just like, you know, everyone gets inundated with all these emails from Black Friday. There's only so much ad, there's only so much money for people to go around. So they, they actually asked a lot of their audience and they pulled a sample size and they were like, Hey, like we're more likely to buy in December your products than we are on a Black Friday because we feel like everyone has Black Fridays. And so they're in a launch week right now, and they've had yeah. more success than past Black Fridays because they've listened to their audience and they realized that their attention wasn't all about Black Friday, but now it was somewhere in December. And they've done more, and they were able to charge more than they had to compete with other people totally Black Friday. It was fascinating. Yeah. I don't doubt it in the slightest. That probably like, My challenge to them would be, what if we do both? Uh, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, what's the... So the, you bring up a really cool point, right? And there's there's times, so it's all based on conditioning. So like, this is one of the reasons why I love what I do is it's so psychologically based. Um, when it comes to purchasing behavior, engagement, anything else like that, what we're trying to do is get people to take actions that they wouldn't normally do, right? Um, so if I'm just going throughout my day and I don't have any interaction from you, the odds that I land on your website and buy this specific thing and do it today are very, very, very little, Right? If you give me an opportunity to do so, it increases. If you make that opportunity easier, it increases. If you make that opportunity appealing, it increases. All that good jazz throw throw it down the line. Um, But what happens is that as humans, we're much more likely to continue engaging in behaviors we've already done. Or creatures of habit, whatever else that might be. And so on the welcome sequence side of the house, a lot of folks try and say that they do understand that we say, listen, when I mail my list, it's like they don't buy okay, cool. Like how, how often do you give them an offer to go ahead and purchase? Well, you know, once a month, once a week, once or whatever. Like, okay, cool. Have you tried doing it three times as much? Like, well, no. Well, we do it three times as much and we get somebody to go ahead and actually click through and make a purchase. The likelihood of that person making a purchase is much higher. They're more familiar to seeing it, whatever. And so like we take all that and we front end it. So that welcome sequence is structured the way that it is. Um, I want my people on my list to do three things, right? And it's like, I want them to reply. I want them to consume the concept that I share. And I want them to buy, right? It's like the only three things that I need from you. Uh, the reply for deliverability sake, it's super duper helpful. It does all the stuff that like when you get onto a list that's from like 1990 and they tell you, hey, 
drag this thing into primary and add me to your contact spaces, all this other bullshit. If you get somebody to reply to one of your emails, it does all that automatically. Uh, and you're in great graces that way with the Gmail and Outlook gods. Um, and then on the second token, when you get them to buy, one of the reasons that we don't, that we have a hard time when it comes to friction with anything buying is because it's abrupt. Um, it's a val- It's a violation of expectations. Yeah, it's like, I didn't expect you to show up and sell me something here. Therefore, this seems abrasive. Therefore, I've got resistance because this isn't normal, right? Now, if I regularly see things for sale here, and I know that those are the way that I can get the best access to any kind of help with whatever solution, product, service it is that I'm looking for, we get that out of the way right off the bat. It's like, oh, cool. Now selling isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is something that's social, right? If we get to control the frame around what an offer looks like, for that person, the second that they get onto the list, we got a hell of a lot better chance of taking that sale three months down the line, 30 days down the line, 10 days down the line. Um, and then the the last token when it comes to consuming content, especially when it comes to like personal brands, a lot of folks fall into this trap where you think that you have to be the voice for everything it is that you share. Uh, and it's really funny. So what we like to do it, we call it three-way. But so we give them, one piece of content that we created uh, that's in a primary social platform. Uh, we go with, we give them one piece of sales material on something that we've created. And then we give them something that's random from somebody else that's helpful towards whatever problem it is that they have. And so as humans, we're naturally uh, very suspicious of people who seem to have all the answers. And so we want to kind of keep a much more human process that goes throughout the whole thing. And so like the end goal is what does the best sales experience look like? It's very conversational. It's very natural. It's very whatever else it might be. So we try and create that all on the front end because if you can start a conversation, now this is a much more intimate channel than anything else that exists on social. This is someone talking directly to me, which is the goal we want them to have. We want them to understand things are for sale here and they are valuable and they're built to help you. Here's what they look like so that when you see them and timing is right, it's there and ready for you. Then we want to show them, hey, listen, the stuff that you're going to get over here, I don't care if you buy today or not, but like the shit's going to be good for you. It's going to be helpful. You're going to find some value or at least some entertainment in it. Um, and so there's a lot of, Again, indoctrination is the word that I've got uh, right now. Conditioning is probably slightly better, if only by a hair. Um, but that's where it tends to land. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because actually we had an interview today. I had a call today, and we were we were talking with someone, and they were talking about their their clients that they have on social media. And I, I made a comment. I said, "Let me let me. I must have. To, I'm gonna take a guess here." That all your clients, that they're all their social media, all their Canva templates, everything that they do looks amazing. I bet you it looks phenomenal. You're so proud of it. And let me guess, your own stuff isn't that good because you are last. Mm-hmm. You become last. And sure. I said, that's where we are as an organization. That's who we love to work with because we know that you are last and we've been there. And so we just, we created that core, we created that relationship and knowing, hey, like, whether whether we work together now or in the future, we know what we're doing and we know that we can add value to you and it being sure. a better, smoother process. Yeah, that's so good. So what's the, um, for you, what do you foresee with emails and email marketing? And because a lot of people that we talk with are now understanding the importance of that. So what do you feel like the future is going to be? Yeah, I think what's really funny is that, you talk about the future of it. Um, and the one thing that happens with digital marketing is that it changes insanely quickly, except for email. Mm. This has literally been around since the internet has 
come into place. This is how you got access to anything internet-based. It's what your phone is hooked up to. None of it works without internet. You can't even pay your damn taxes without an email address. Um, you're absolutely anything you do. You sign in for work. What do you use? You use an email address. What's your phone account hooked up to? It's hooked up to an email address. It's, and it's literally tied to so much of everything else that we do. And so like my take on where does this go in the future is no matter where it goes, it's going to be here because the amount of work to go ahead and create another individualized marker that's a method of communication between absolutely any site that you have. There are hundreds of trillions of dollar companies that are all reliant on you having a damn email address and opening it and using it on a regular basis, right? So it's in our interest to make this thing a nice place to be. Uh, and so that's my my one caveat on it. And then uh, the secondary in terms of future. So there's a lot of stuff that you'll see out right now that might have folks freaking out um, in terms of what happens for spam flagging, uh, primary and sending, uh, in terms of like Gmail outlooks algorithms. Because your inbox, believe it or not, has an algorithm just like a social media feed does. That decides, hey, listen, these, these emails go here. Uh, this is what sets this off to go here. This is what makes this maybe spam. This is what maybe makes this worth sending as external. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different things that roll through that way. And they're supposedly getting a fair bit stricter. Um, it's the same stuff that anybody who's relatively decent out there been doing has been taking precaution on a regular basis. But I do think something that's underutilized in the industry very heavily are replies across the board. It's called an action. Um, so we want everybody to click. So what are your clicks? What are your opens? There's two things that I care about when I look at a list. It's what's our ratio of subscribers to customers. And I want that to be as close as humanly possible to one. It will never get there. Um, it shouldn't ever get there because then you have to lose salt in it. Um, but it should be close and we should be shooting towards, okay, is it 5% right now? How do we get it to 10? How do we get it to 15? Because I'm going to have more people we can sell to and there are repeat customers on the back end. Um, and then, yeah, the second is replies. So it's like you do so much not only just for deliverability, like I mentioned, all the auto whitelisting and all the little good jobs, but you do so much for the way that person thinks about the marketing that they receive from you when you have a legit conversation. So it's the one thing that's consistent across every single client that I work with is our first email on the welcome scene, which is a call to action for a reply. And for the folks that sell via calls or conversations, it's the best lead gen tool that they have. I had a client, we sell $6,000 uh, personal finance coaching packages on the back end. It's our first email, and I can't tell you the amount of people. It's probably a good three to four percent that shoot that email book all within the next twenty-four hours after they've joined and they've been on the list for no time at all. And it's just because it's a conversation that's been started. This is now more intimate than just this kind of one-way thing. We break the fourth wall and say, "Hey, listen, there's a person behind these, and if you reply and if you engage and you give back, like I'm here to help." Right. And it gets, it shifts the frame so much between me sending you coupons in the mail to maybe take advantage of to me reaching out and saying, hey, Lane, I see there's a big ass hole in your roof. Right. Like, listen, I'm not here to push anything on you, but I'm curious, like, is that a priority to get that thing fixed? You say, yes, it is. Well, now I have permission to give you a solution. Right. That's at like a whole different level in terms of how it's perceived. Same exact conversation, same exact service, but your frame has gone from here to way up. God, that's so good. I love that first email, please reply. Like that is, it makes so, it, like that makes so much sense when you, when you talk about it and you, and you spell it out, that makes so much sense. Wow. Um, couple of questions, like just today, yeah, like, cause I know this is so funny. Everyone I'm talking to right now, I'm loving asking the question about AI. 
and there you are. AI with emails specifically. So mm-hmm. what, what are you seeing with that? Three, two, one. So I spent a lot of time in the direct response world, right? Like years and years and years. And I don't think that you can replace a top-notch, well-trained direct response copywriter to be able to work and walk into an email program, right? Like, I think that's the best bang for your buck by far. However, if you're on a budget and you suck at writing emails and you hate doing them, if you've got three things, you can get pretty damn far um, when it comes to using AI to go in and write the copy. So what you will need to have, and this is helpful even when um, I'm training folks that we work with on the writing side of the house, is having three things. So there's a hook for every email. Uh, typically, that's going to be the subject line, or it's going to be your intro line, or something that goes inside of there. You're going to want to probably write that yourself. That's going to be really helpful. It's harder for you for you to get that out of something. That's very good at filling the gaps, right? It's like that's what AI is phenomenal with when it comes to copywriting. Is like if you can give me a goal, a starting point, and some context, then I'm going to get 60% of the way there with anything from an AI perspective. But if you don't have those three things in mind, and you don't know what you want. You're not likely to get a good result because, I mean, quite frankly, it's good at taking orders and you're not giving good orders if you don't know what you want to come out of it. You know, it's like going to a restaurant and being like, give me whatever you want to the waitress and then they pissed off when they come back and they give you something they didn't like. It's like, well, dude, I, you didn't give me any direction, you know? Um, and so what does it look like to get good things out of that? So first and foremost is definitely having some sort of a hook. Uh, if you know, if you want this thing to be a story, right? Like that's super helpful to know. There was my thumbs up. Um, it, I didn't even know Riverside could do that powerful it's everywhere um if you know that hey listen i want this to be a story-based email uh if i want this to be a i don't know a bullet-based email uh, if i want this to point to another piece of concept you gotta have a good understanding of what the goal in mind is for that specific prompt um if you can give it copy directly for a call to action it's going to do a really good job of making that transition and then secondarily so too is you got to know what you're transitioning to right so like anytime we come in and write an email uh, we've got a hook we've got an offer and we've got a transition that some way carries you from that hook down to the offer. Now I got balloons going off, dude. I don't even know how to do this. This is amazing. Um, and so if you have those three things coming into it, though, and you push a prompt over to ChatGPT that says, hey, listen, um, I'd like to write an email promoting this, this, and this. I want to be able to tell a story that illustrates this point as the as you give it big blocky letters that say hook, throw it in brackets. I wanted to push this as an offer in terms of a call to action. And then you say CTA and you put it in brackets and you give this thing. And then I think this is the transition that I would like to use to be able to connect the two. And you say transition and you put this thing in blocks and then you input those, each of those as fields. This is like pretty basic prompting stuff. Um, but then you give it to spit it out, to spit that out. You have something you could probably edit and be happy with to send uh, immediately after that. I'm always on par with the, uh, it makes me nervous that I can recognize ChatGPT copy pretty damn well now. Um, and so that always stands out as a red flag for me. But at the end of the day, it depends on what you're selling, right? If if you're running a home services business and there ain't a lot of depth to the problems that you're helping these folks solve and we really don't have to be that creative in order to demonstrate the problem, absolutely. I think the more nuance that comes into a given problem and the more... Um, internalize the solution might be the harder that it can be to get it to do what you're trying to pull off effectively if that makes any sense right i think it's as depth goes down or as depth gets deeper or more intense that it becomes harder to replace that from an ai perspective because it's like this thing's really good at recall and formulas right 
And if what you're selling isn't necessarily form formulaic and it's very nuanced, well, then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure, right? So I think it's all about knowing where to go ahead and use that. For sure. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been amazing. And um, I'd love for you to share with the listeners uh, where they can find you, where they connect, where they can connect with you. So give a little bit of idea of where, you, where you're located on the, the social media or the internet. Yeah, 100%. So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm just at Jacob Suko is my name. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, but uh, wouldn't be par for the course. The easiest way to keep up for me is just to go ahead and get on the email list um, daily. We're sharing all kinds of different things, email marketing gold-wise, whether that's templates, campaigns, tips, um, examples of things that we're doing for our clients. I tend to give away a hell of a lot more than I should. Um, so the easiest place to go ahead and get that is just at emailempire.org slash subscribe. Um, and if you want anything in terms of free gifts, if you already have an email list and your problem is more so, hey, listen, I really need to figure out how I can pull more cash out of this list, get this selling, make a better experience. Um, I was do a really cool training where I give away the same campaign that we send for all of our clients first. It includes that reply uh, that comes in out as we talked about earlier. Um, you can get that for free anytime. Just at emailempire.org slash revive. Awesome, man. Jacob, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to staying connected with you. And again, excited to share this with the listeners. And so um, with that, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Equip Podcast. Like I say on every episode, if you're on Apple or Spotify, I'm going to give you a call to action like Jacob does in the emails. Go to Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. And uh, Jacob, thanks again, and we'll talk soon. I appreciate you, brother. It's been so much fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Equipped Podcast. Do me a favor. Go to Apple, scroll all the way to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Better yet, share this with someone that you think it would add value to. And if you think you would be a good guest on the Equipped Podcast, shoot me an email at lane at goprospect.com. That's L-A-N-E at G-O. P-R-O-S-P-E-X dot com. Until next time, see you guys.